Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. As Mark said earlier, my name is Elijah. I am a Quaker Voluntary Service Fellow here in Portland, and I work at Habitat for Humanity. Um, Mike invited me to speak a few months ago, um, and I'm so excited, so excited to be here. So lately, I've been reading a lot about everyone's favorite person in the Bible. Can anyone guess who that is? You're all wrong. <laughs> I guarantee you that none of you guessed that I'm talking about Mephibosheth. <laughs> okay, so maybe he's not our favorite, but um, maybe we just haven't heard enough about him. So just to give you a little bit of a backstory, um, you remember Jonathan from the Old Testament? He was best friends with David. Um, scripture says that Jonathan loved David as his own soul. But Jonathan's father, King Saul, definitely did not love David. Jonathan warned David that he was in great danger, that Saul wanted to kill him. And in exchange for that information, Jonathan asked David to make a promise to him. David promised that he would show Jonathan's family the kindness of God. So Mephibosheth, this unknown person of the Old Testament, um, he was... Jonathan's son. When Mephibosheth was five years old, Jonathan was killed in battle. Now King Saul, in his grief, took his own life. It was typical at the time when a new king took throne for that new king to kill off the remaining members of the former king's family. So when David became king, it would have been quite normal for David to kill off Saul's family, including young Mephibosheth, so that they would not be able to try to retake the throne. Mephibosheth's nurse scooped the five-year-old boy up in her arms and ran in an attempt to escape the danger of the new king. In their escape, the nurse tripped, fell, and dropped young Mephibosheth leaving him disabled and unable to walk for the rest of his life. I imagine that his life was spent in fear. Maybe he was a beggar. Maybe he was depressed. Maybe he was lonely. At no fault of his own, Mephibosheth was born into a mess of a family, a family that was wrapped up in the things of this world. At no fault of his own, and because of the fall of another person, Mephibosheth was left in fear, oppressed by royalty and alone. Sometimes I feel like Mephibosheth. I was born in a body that was broken in a lot of ways and a mind that was broken too. My family, like most, has its fair share of complications. 
I have often been quite depressed and lonely. I was taught a lot about fear growing up. Fear of God, fear of authority, fear of God's abundance, or rather the lack of God's abundance that could fall upon me if I did the wrong thing, or said the wrong thing, or thought the wrong thing, or felt the wrong thing. God had the power to destroy. I knew that much from a very young age. Now, King David remembered one day the promise that he had made to his late friend Jonathan. He asked one of his servants if Jonathan had any remaining heirs. And sure enough, the servant knew of Mephibosheth. David had his servants bring Mephibosheth to him. And when he arrived, Mephibosheth fell on his face in front of the king. He offered to be a servant to do whatever David asked. So often, our natural instinct is to react to God in fear. But King David scoffed at Mephibosheth. Instead of murdering the young man in front of him, he extended a hand. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. You will always eat at my table. I've heard it said that that invitation was not extended because of anything that Mephibosheth had said or done, but only because of who his parent was. We are also offered an invitation at the heavenly king's table, not because of anything that we say or do out of fear, not even because of who we are, but it has everything to do with who our holy parent is. One might say that it's about more than who Mephibosheth's father was. One might argue there was a promise to be fulfilled, and David remembered that promise. To that, I would say that a promise has also been extended to us. In John 14, verses 15 through 17, Christ says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. That promise, a promise of the spirit, that of God within us has been fulfilled. God remembered that promise. There is no reason for us to ignore it, no reason to ignore the invitation to the table that same spirit invites us to eat at the table, and it keeps us fed. That same sweet spirit has offered us back what was rightfully ours from birth, a promise of love, security, hope, and a future, a kingdom on earth. Last week in Steve's message, he was talking about housing security, and um, he actually quoted a passage of scripture that I'm gonna echo again here today, it's so very important. In the book of James, chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, 
go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So you can live faithfully. You can choose to celebrate life with God instead of living in fear. But if you live faithfully without doing the work of God, that faith is all for naught. I want to ask you all, children of the living God, bring God's kingdom closer to home. God's kingdom on earth is a kingdom in which all are spiritually and physically nourished. It is a kingdom in which every person, whether they know the king personally or not, has a warm bed and a roof over their head and the health care that they need. It is a kingdom in which peace prevails and war and violence is but a distant memory. A kingdom in which systems of oppression, white supremacy, consumerism, the patriarchy no longer have power in our lives. It is a kingdom in which affordable housing is a priority. A kingdom in which black lives matter. A kingdom in which trans and queer folks are seen as beloved children of God. A kingdom in which women's voices are respected and heard and valued. God's kingdom on earth is a kingdom in which we all have a seat at the table. Abundance. In this world, we often think that there is not enough of anything that we need. We live in fear. The king could take away what little life we have, so why would we want to lose it? But the reality is there is more than enough. There is abundance. In the United States, at least 30% of our food supply is wasted every month, 30%. For every individual person experiencing homelessness in our country, there are six empty homes. And now I, I work at Habitat for Humanity. I know that the issue is more complicated than just giving away homes to everyone who needs one. But still, there is an abundant amount of resources in this country. For every person who feels alone, depressed, discouraged, there is an ocean full of God's love waiting to wash over them in rhythmic waves. Abundance. So come on, enjoy the feast, drink from the cup, eat the bread. I even heard that God has planned ahead for all of our tricky dietary restrictions. <laughs> Gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, vegan, doesn't matter, there's room for all of us. Celebrate with the king. Live in love instead of fear. And remember that there are empty seats right next to you while someone, someone is left eating crumbs from the floor. Remember the promise that was made to us all and fulfill it. Be the kindness of God to the ones who still live in fear. Some queries as we go into this time of waiting worship. Are you being fed by the spirit of God? How can we bring a celebratory feast to our city and the world at large? <laughs>